radio station. The franchise tag deadline is 4 p.m. tomorrow, and the Steelers will franchise Lev Bell. And he won't sign, and then he'll bitch and threaten to retire or skip the season or rap. It's all very predictable. But if I'm the Steelers, I would inject an element of doubt. I would tell Bell, sign the tender now and show up for what you're supposed to, and we'll continue to negotiate. But if Bell doesn't sign the tender, the Steelers can later rescind the tender. And if the Steelers rescind the tender, like in June or July, all the big money for free agency will be spent by other NFL teams, and Bell will be screwed at least for a year. He could sign a one-year deal somewhere for some low figure because the market regenerates the next year. But the franchise tag is a one-year deal, and that particular one-year deal would be for 14.5 mil, which isn't chump change. You will recall, Bell didn't sign the tender last year until camp had started. The Steelers had him in a vulnerable position, but let him slide. This year, the Steelers should not let Bell slide. If they tag him and he won't sign come the middle of summer, they should turn the screw. Sick Again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I'd like your reaction to that. Does that make any sense? If you franchise tag Bell but he won't sign in the middle of the summer, you cut him, and he gets bupkis. You're cutting off your nose despite your face. That's what some of you are thinking. Or maybe, if you're the Steelers, just maybe, you're tired of dealing with these immature nerds who got no rings. Where else but in the NFL would somebody complain about making $14.5 million in one season? That money should last Bell a lifetime if he's smart that one year, that 14.5 mil, if he's smart, and maybe I just answered my own question. If Bell's mad about being tagged, he shouldn't be mad at the Steelers. He should be mad at the Players' Union, the NFLPA. The union agreed to the franchise tag. The franchise tag keeps free agency from being free. Lev Bell wants twice as much as the next highest paid running back. Is Lev Bell twice as good as the next highest paid running back? I don't believe he is. So tag Bell, and if he won't sign the tag immediately, the Steelers should start looking at and potentially assembling some alternatives. And then if he won't sign the tag, withdraw the tag, and he makes crap next year somewhere else. And if he has a bad year, he continues to make crap. Bell, his stats last year weren't that good. His per catch, his per carry, his per everything wasn't that good. Only four runs of 20 yards or longer. He's not a game breaker. He put them behind the sticks an awful lot on first down. Go to Twitter. 
Aditi Kikabwala, who covers the Steelers for NFL.com, she listed all the pros and cons of Le'Veon Bell, and there's a lot of pros, but there's a lot of cons as well. The Steelers could put Bell in a very vulnerable position if he refuses to sign the tag, and I would just be sick to death of dealing with this guy. I'd be sick to death of dealing with all these immature so-and-sos who haven't won a thing. The no-ring mafia, baby, that's the idea to win. Not to uh, style and profile and be Rolex-wearing and diamond ring-wearing. Ric Flair was all of that, but he was the 16-time world champion, too. you got to win to make all that styling and profiling anything more than annoying. That number to call again, 412-333-9939. I also want to talk pens. We got Phil Bork, the old two-niner, at 430. He will join me to talk hockey. Some great hockey talk today. Bob Grove earlier, Phil Bork at 430. Let's go to Dave in Clarksville, and I'll meet him at the station. Dave, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing, brother? Good, Dave. Yeah, you're exactly right about them whiny little weenies. They get to they get to smoke all the green they want and continue to make millions of dollars. Uh, Actually, they don't to... smoke all the green they want because they get suspended for it, which is one of the reasons I'd be hesitant to keep Lev Bell. But uh, what what's your point? Why'd you call? Be better uh, than I, the last like seven callers. I just want to see what you think about uh, what the impact of Michael Farland coming back in the lineup tonight for Calgary is on the game. Eh. I think if he could play goal and his name was Mike Smith, it would be a much bigger impact. That's what's wrong with Calgary right now. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, Lev, uh, Mike Smith's their goalie. He's very good. He's a great puck handler. He takes pressure off the defense. And he's been out for 10 games, and they've only won three of those. Let's go to Dave in Saxonburg. Dave, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, give Bell, one chance, one chance only. Uh, what's the timing of the his uh, when he would have to sign versus the draft? Because I think if they uh, give him the one no, chance... No, he, he, he doesn't have to sign the franchise tag at all. Yeah, but like you are saying, you're He did not sign. The, I think uh, I got it wrong uh, when I spoke during Sick Again. Last year he signed his tag right before the season started. I think he came in, what, uh the week before the last exhibition game, so that's right before the season. Uh, you know, it, it didn't give the Steelers really any choice. Well, I, I think the Steelers should give him the choice of, you know, he has until the draft to sign, and if he doesn't sign the tag by the draft deadline. Oh, I don't think the Steelers need to give him any ultimatum at all. I think you franchise tag him, and if he won't sign right away, you just do what you need to do to make sure your team is covered. Because I don't think the Steelers want to go into camp not knowing when he's going to show up, not knowing if he's going to show up, not knowing if he's going to skip the season. You know, he just might skip the season. This guy really believes he deserves $15 million a year. And the funny part is the Steelers want to give it to him. I mean, you know, 500 k less, but just for one year. I mean, this guy wants everything. If If he were a baseball owner, he'd be Bob Nutting. He wants every single dollar. But he needs Let's, to be six yards to carry and not three point something. 
It was 3.9, I think it was, maybe even 4. He needs Lev Bell needs to be better than he was last year to merit that money. Lev Bell is overrating himself, and he's certainly overrating the year he had last season. Then again, so are many of you. Let's go to Aaron in the car. Aaron, you're on with Double M. Aaron, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Hey, just a, a problem with your idea is... If, if you franchise him, you're tying up all that money, so you don't have the ability to go out and try to get free agents. And if you do cut him loose in the middle of the summer... Well, now, now, now hold on, him, hold on. When does the sorry. cap have to be in balance by? By the beginning of the season, I should think, right? So so you could do whatever you want in the summer no, no, if you have him under franchise tag, because you could always rescind the tag and get out from under his cap hit. Okay, I guess the only other potential problem would be if you wait till the middle of the summer, then not only is potentially all the money gone for him from other stu- uh, other squads, but a lot of the free agents have probably been snapped up, and you've got big needs as far as linebacker and some others. Why why can't why can't you sign those guys and then cut them? I guess you could then, but uh, I, I put it this way: if Lev Bell gets tagged and won't sign, wouldn't you at least start shopping? Oh, absolutely, I would. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess the you know the question would be then you know if you find a couple free agents that you think can benefit the team, are they worth more to you than Lev Bell? I mean, I would suggest yes, but yeah, uh, well, you, you know what, getting going out and assembling a running back core and uh, getting an inside linebacker free agency, it wouldn't be easy. There'd be no guarantees you'd spend that money, and it would pay off the way it, you would hope it would. But, but the bottom line is, I just don't want to pay a running back $14.5 million. And I certainly don't want to pay him $15 million a year in, for the long term. Doesn't it sound to you, Aaron, like he wants $15 million per year, period. Period. Isn't that what it, it sounds like to you? It, it certainly seems that way. The, the notion of paying him almost twice with the second highest paid running back in the league makes is beyond absurd. It, it it you'd be better off not. I mean, like, I I know you want to win, but you ain't one with Le'Veon Bell. I don't think you ever will win with Le'Veon Bell. I don't think he's that kind of player. I don't think he's a winner. I think he'll get every yard except the one you need him to get. Yeah, I agree with that. And you're also giving up so much for that fifteen million. I mean, that's the thing. Every call. And at is- some point, at some point, when you're giving guys exactly what they want, who's running the team? You or them? Yeah, good point. Can they afford to give Ben, Brown, and Bell all that much money? I mean, they can, but the rest of the team's going to suffer if you're operating under a cap, which they are. So, I don't think this way is working. So I, I would, I, 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 I would franchise tag him and consider my options from there. Now, if he signs the tag, then you got no choice. You got to pay him that, or you got to negotiate a long-term contract. Thank you for the call, Aaron. We got Jim and Brian on hold to talk about Lev Bell. We'll get to you in a moment. We got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He don't do nothing but win. He just knows how to win. Super G, loud and proud. He is horrible. He is terrible. The X at 105.9. We have breaking news. According to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, the Pittsburgh Steelers have told Le'Veon Bell he will be franchised. So let the complaining and threats begin. The Steelers have told Le'Veon Bell he will be franchised. 
by tomorrow's 4 p.m. deadline. Now, the scenario I proposed will very likely not play out. It's very likely that the Steelers will leave Bell at his leisure when it comes to signing the franchise tag. He'll be allowed to skip OTAs, be allowed to skip minicamp. Well, not allowed, really, because if you're not under contract, you're under no obligation to report to any of those events. So he won't be at OTAs. He won't be at minicamp. He will show up as late as possible for training camp, probably, again, right before the season, just like last year. But will he play? Will he skip the season? Will he, quote-unquote, retire? Will he become a rapper? I don't think Lev Bell's real bright. I think he overvalues himself horrifically. I think he really believes that nonsense, that absolute idiocy he spews about how he should be paid like a number one back and a number two receiver. Combine both salaries. I think Le'Veon Bell really believes that. So there are those of you who say, and, and I mostly agree, oh, he'd never pass up $14.5 million to prove a point. I don't know. You're probably right. He probably won't. But what if he does? He's just nuts enough. What if Le'Veon Bell would skip the season or skip part of it? You can report, what is it, eight games you need to play, or maybe even just six, to qualify that as a year burned. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. If I were the Steelers, I'd be very uncomfortable with how this is. Let's go to Chris in Washington. Chris, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What's up, Super G? Hey, Chris. So, I just think it's time to move on. We went to the Super Bowl with a running back named Willie Parker, who is not half of what he is. Well, okay, Chris, let me interrupt. They're they're not moving on. They're franchising him. So, So, they're not walking away. He will not be an unrestricted free agent. So why don't we go the route Miami's going to with uh, Jarvis Landry? Tag him, trade him. Okay, nobody wants to trade for a running back that's going to get $14.5 million, and nobody wants to sign him to a long-term contract worth $15 million. Uh, you got to understand, not only do the Steelers not want to pay Le'Veon Bell $15 million per year on a long-term pact, no team in football wants to pay any running back $15 million a year on a long-term pact. There are no trade partners out there when it comes to Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. Now, there might be a team that would pay Bell more than the Steelers are willing, but $15 million per year on a long-term pact, I don't believe any NFL team would pay a running back that. Let's go to Jim in Brackenridge. Jim, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today? Hi, Jim. About Le'Veon Bell, he is just an absolute cancer in that locker room. All he does is... Oh, really? Have you been in the locker room? Oh, no. I mean, I've never been there, but you can tell by what's going on. Oh, okay. You can tell from your spot at home on the couch that he's a cancer in the locker room. It's got to be. I mean, he's just such a distraction. It's got to be. You're right. Thank you for the call, Jim. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he does that locker room any favors, but you got to understand, when it's a locker room full of nitwits, the guy who isn't the nitwit is the cancer, and that's a locker room full of nitwits, at least a 50-50 split. 
Let's go to Brian and Glenshaw. Brian, you're on with Double M. Hang up and then Okay, I'll hang up and dial again. Let's go to Matt in Murraysville. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, I don't know if you saw the Penguins Facebook today, but they're doing an all-inclusive day for the gay and lesbian community. You should yeah, see all that. the hatred, all the hatred and just awful comments that the Pittsburgh uh, people are making the fans of the Penguins. It's just sickening that we're fans with these people. Yeah, it's a goofy minority. I wish you hadn't brought it up because then we could ignore it. And that's the evil of social media. Social media gives too much voice to evil. Thank you for the call, though. 412-333-9939. Obviously, there's a bunch of crazy stuff. Like like I said earlier, they should screw Lev Bell by rescinding the tag if he won't sign it. Wait till the middle of summer. The Steelers really aren't going to do that because it, it, it would it would keep their team it would keep them from organizing their team until they rescinded the tag then again i just don't think they want to deal with Le'Veon bell's hijinks much longer i don't know it's it's a very odd situation to have to do this the second year in a row it's like with kirk cousins kirk cousins never made noise about doing anything but playing I'm sure he wasn't happy to get franchised in Washington, but he played and and didn't wasn't at all disruptive. Showed up for what he needed to show up for. Not the same with Bell. Let's go to Eric and Elizabeth. Eric, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Um, Eric, I, I listened to what you had. To, I, had I listened to what you had to say earlier uh, about you know pulling the tag, and you just mentioned it again. Um, I, I think it's a great idea by you, actually. But my question would be, where would the players' union stand on something like that happening? Would the, would the team face any sort of penalty or any? No. Sort why? Of why would? Why would? Why would they? Why would they face any sort of penalty? There, everything the Steelers would be doing would be within the rules. They franchised him by the deadline, and they have every right to rescind the tag if Bell won't sign it. Okay, I wasn't sure. I I, I was asking more because I wasn't sure how that would go, and, and I don't know what that would do. For players on the team as well, moving forward with contracts, I, I don't think I think it's time to walk away from Bell. I really do. They're not going to. They're going to franchise him, but that leaves you really in a bad situation because there's a real or real possibility he isn't going to play this season. You know what? I know people say he would never pass up fourteen point five million. I think he's just dumb enough to not play this season or to hold out for part of the season to try to get clear of a year of the contract. But uh, it's it's just – but also, I think that locker room would be really upset if Bell uh, wasn't on the team next year. Oh, I agree with you. They, a lot of the guys like him. I mean, you see on Twitter – Well, they've, let, they've, let, the, they've really let the high. locker room – they've let the locker room get out of control. As I said, if Le'Veon Bell gets to play this year at 14.5 mil – or if he gets a multi-year contract worth 15 mil, then the Roonies aren't running the team anymore. Le'Veon Bell is. If they give a running back 15 million per year over the long term, if they give Le'Veon Bell what he wants, Le'Veon Bell's the new team president. He should get an office down at Steeler headquarters. Thank you for the call. Up next, hockey talk with a guy who's the best in the business at just that. It's the old two-niner, Phil Bork. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now, 
You hear him doing color analysis on Pittsburgh Penguins radio broadcast right here on the X. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. It's the old two-niner, Phil Bork. Borky, Mike Sullivan made some lineup changes on Saturday. Uh, nothing big, but he got a response, didn't he? Absolutely, he did. 50 shots on goal. They look like the uh, Penguins able to roll four lines. And uh, they were just, uh, I don't know, just seemed to be have more chemistry. I thought that Chad Ruedel went back in the lineup first time in 2018. Uh, he looked real rock solid. I mean, this is a guy that um, just kind of goes about his business and doesn't mind being, I mean, he probably doesn't like being on the lineup, but he understands his role is what I mean uh, when he's not in the lineup and he works his butt off and he always seems to be ready when he gets plugged back in. I thought that Jamie Alexiak looked pretty good now switching over to the left side. And I just liked the... Uh, I like the the tandems that he had, you know. I, I you know throwing Patrick Hornquist back up with Sid, but Sid with Gensel seems to work. Um, Hagelin with uh, with Gino seems to work, and Broussard with uh, Kessel seems to work. And now you have you know guy like Kuhnhockel playing with Riley Shahan. That seems to work. That's kind of the theme that Mike Sullivan has used over uh, the last three seasons that he's been here, where he likes to use duos on a line and try to keep them together. Now, you mentioned that Ruida looked good Saturday, and I agree. Can he play every game and do well? I don't know. We haven't seen that from him. Uh, I don't see why not. Um, you know, he's, he's not a young player. He's been around a while. Um, and he's, you know, a player that understands his limitations and plays to his strengths. You hardly ever see him really out of position. You hardly ever see him with a blatant turnover that he's uh, been able to figure out what he can and cannot do. I don't see why this guy can't play every single night. Uh, and I think that, you know, as long as you limit his minutes and not get him up, you know, too, too much over 20 minutes, uh, I think that he'll be fine. He's more physical too, Mark, than people want to give him credit for. He's not going to put somebody 10 rows deep, but I think he's a son of a gun to play against. I think he's one of those guys that just goes shoulder to shoulder, and he never turns away from a check. He's willing to take a check to make a play. Um, I just think he's a real solid player, and there's no reason why he can't be an everyday player. Uh, Hunwick was a scratch. What's wrong with him, Borky? He doesn't look like the same guy who played for Toronto last year, does he? No, he doesn't. I thought he was good early on, and he, I don't think he's terrible. I think that you know, just because we see him on the ice for goals against doesn't doesn't mean uh, it's necessarily his fault, but it just hasn't been going his way. On top of that, he has he hasn't been playing his best. This, I think it's the best way to sum it up. He hasn't been playing his best, and, uh, you know, at this time of year, you've got guys that are chomping at the bit to get in there, and, and Chad Ruedel, uh, you know, if he's able to get in there and and um, bump you out of the spot, well, welcome to the big leagues. I mean, that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be, that if you're, you should be rewarded with good play, and if you're not willing to uh, uh, bring your absolute best every single night, then somebody else needs to get in there. Um, his positioning seems to be off. Uh, at times he does turn the puck over. At times he gets caught a little bit flat-footed. Those are all correctable things, and I think uh, you know as well as I do, Mark, we're going to need Matt Hunwick to get back to his game if we're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Is the Penguins' defensive core good enough right now? And specifically, is it good enough on the PK without Ian Cole? Yeah, I think they can be collectively. They can, uh, And I know that Ian Cole kind of stood out because that was really his – his expertise is, is on the PK and blocking all those shots and, and being the guy that would clear the zone and 
he'd be on the ice for that important penalty kill when maybe you were down a goal and you'd gone up a goal and you desperately need a kill. Ian Cole was a guy that, that really made those plays. But I think they've got enough guys that can pull up their bootstraps and be a little bit better when it comes to those moments. Um, you know, I think a guy like Jamie Alexiak is a guy that, that could be that guy, that could play that role, that could block that shot, could make that clear, have that long reach, that strong stick, uh, take a hit to make a play in that important penalty kill and the last minute of a game. I think that Alexiak has more to give. What are your initial impressions of Derek Broussard since he joined the Penguins? Well, I loved his last game, not just because he scored a goal. I just thought he, he seemed more comfortable uh, in his boots uh, playing with, with the Penguins. I never really thought about it when he first came here, Mark, of how how difficult the transition would be um, systems-wise. You know, you, you forget just the different system that Ottawa played and how they played a passive system that they really sat back. And uh, he actually talked about this morning and said, I need to remind myself to go, 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 and have that, that mentality that when we have a chance to go on the offense, we are going full bore. And that's not something they did in Ottawa. I, I, like, I love Derek Broussard. And I think that gradually, little bit by little bit, game by game, he's getting a little bit better. I think he's also understanding um, the um, habits of a guy like Phil Kessel and what he likes what he doesn't like, where to be, where not to be. And that's going to, I think you got to give him five games. This will be, uh, what, game number five tonight, I think, uh, for Derek Broussard. And I think he's, he's starting to turn a corner. And I think that goal, and I've said this before, Mark, you, when you come to a team, whether as a free agent or in a midseason trade as Broussard did, you never really feel a part of the team until you do something special to help the team win. And Broussard's goal uh, a couple nights ago against the New York Islanders was just that. We're talking to Phil Bork, the old 2-9er. He's brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, here's my hidden value with Broussard, Borky. He completes the second power play unit. The Penguins' yeah. number two power play right now, I think, is as good as any other team's number one power play. Here, here. And uh, the way that number one unit is humming along, that number two unit doesn't get on the, the ice that much. No, I'm only kidding. They do, they do get out there. But you're right. He's a guy that can kind of be the ice general. He can uh, have everything run through him because... He's really good, as we witnessed as a Ranger when he was with the Rangers and with Ottawa. But he scored a lot of goals right down around the paint, around the goal line, um, deflections, rebounds. Uh, he, he's pretty crafty with his wand down around the goal. Um, and the goal he scored the other night against the Islanders, we've seen him score goals just like that against the Penguins. I think he can also be a guy uh, that can work the half wall and kind of have everything go through him on that second unit. He's a smart hockey player, highly skilled hockey player, and uh, you love to have a guy that's, that's never won a cup before, that's kind of been around the league for a while. We forget, he's on his fourth team already. He started with Columbus and to the Rangers, all the one now with the Penguins. So he's kind of bounced around a little bit now. And when you've gotten to your fourth team and you haven't won a cup, I, I like to have guys like that that are even hungrier. As you mentioned earlier, Connor Sherry got dropped to the fourth line, and I thought he played one of his better games on Saturday. What's the mindset there for number 43? Well, I talked about this in the post game the other night. I think if you're Connor Sherry, I think you just need to take a long, deep breath and let it out. You're a good Connor. Uh, Connor you're a good hockey player, Connor, and, you, and I think he needs to get his confidence back. I think he needs to relax. I think he heard too many of the rumors swirling about that he was going to get traded, that he was on the on the market, and I think that at the end of the day, you have to you have to be able to 
embrace that the team didn't trade you. That Obviously, they want you. You're here for a reason. You're a valuable player. You helped the Penguins win a couple Stanley Cups. And you're right. He's a guy you can never question his work ethic, but sometimes you can you need to work smarter instead of harder. And I think that, that Connor Sherry just seemed like a more relaxed player, a more confident player the other night against the Islanders. And I, I actually like him. I know he's not a fourth-line guy, but we don't, have, we don't have a typical fourth line. We have a guy like uh, uh, Connor Sherry, uh, Riley Shahan, and uh, Tommy Kuhnhocker. I think you have a nice blend there, and I think the speed of Sherry and the skill of Sherry can get that fourth line back to where it needs to be. And that's playing you know, north of seven, eight minutes a night. Being able to throw that fourth line out there, not only to take the load off of Sid and Gino, but also to chip in once and again offensively. Connor Sherry scored 23 goals last year. He needs to get back to that mindset of, yeah, understand, on a fourth-line guy, strong defensively, make the little plays, create energy, create momentum, all that. But also, Connor Sherry can score goals in this league. And I think he needs to get that confidence back and complement that fourth line so that we can start rolling the four. Because you have to admit, Mark, that was a key ingredient to us winning back-to-back cups, having throwing the fourth line out there and doing more than just being energy guys. Sid, Sidney Crosby's been playing very well lately. But it felt like he needed that goal, didn't it? That overtime goal Saturday, because as good as he's been playing, I'm sure he'd like to score a few more goals. Yeah, I think you know Sid, as, as proud as he is, I think he'd like to climb up the ladder, and and he's I, he seems a little bit frustrated at times. And I think at this time of the season, with 16 games to go, I think Sid wants a consistent consistent group of wingers, a set of wingers. And uh, I think Mike Sullivan realizes that that. As much as you've kind of jumbled things around over the last month or two, I think it's time to settle things down combination-wise. And I think we all admit that Jake Gensel is probably the best compliment for Sid. And I like um, Patrick Hornquist up there. I mean, Honey's a straight-line guy. Honey's a go-to-the-net guy. And Honey can play that give-and-go, which Sid, I think, is the best in the league at. And, yeah, I think just scoring that goal, the overtime goal, to stop the bleeding, the three-game slide – uh, to not lose back-to-back home games, all of it factors in. Listen, guys like Sid, are, are, they struggle with confidence every once in a while, just like anybody else, and, and they need to see the biscuit go in the basket in overtime just as much as any other star player, and I'm sure that felt good for Sid. Was that a good game or a bad game for Tristan Jari? One real bad goal, one off a scramble, but he made some good stops too, didn't he? I think it was a great game. I think for a young goaltender at 22 years of age, to have that first one go in, about a 40-foot backhand where you just basically stumbled over your feet to regroup and to focus and to have that next save mentality. And then the, the save that he made in overtime to rob John Tavares in overtime, uh, that is a huge confidence boost. I loved it. I, I, I loved the whole outing of Tristan Jari because I was really curious on how he was going to battle back. And you even look at the second goal. You can't blame him on that one. It went off his defenseman skate, Jamie Oleksiak skate, just an accidental uh, in-your-own-net goal. Uh, and that's going to happen. But the way he was able to bounce back in battle uh, showed me more than I knew about Tristan Jari. Uh, and I'm really happy that Mike Sullivan's going to get him back in there tonight because uh, the, the kind of win that he got against the Islanders is, is such a confidence booster that I, I, think, I think he's going to have another strong performance here tonight. Well, I agree with all that. He was absolutely brilliant in overtime. Uh, uh, you know, besides Sid's shot, he made so many key saves. He was the, the hero of extra time. Uh, Phil Kessel made two great plays for the two goals of regulation. I've been trying to describe how Kessel passes Borky, 
He's a winger who passes like a center. I think that's a good description. How about you? Boy, I couldn't agree with you more. The passes that he makes, uh, whether it's the tempo of the pass, the speed of the pass, uh, whether give it to a guy uh, that maybe shows you the backhand or a guy opens up for the one-timer, you know, put it on the on the right inside the back foot for the one-timer. I mean, it's, it's a thing of brilliance that I think a lot of people maybe take for granted uh, on how how great his vision is and how superb his passing is. When you talk about the great puck distributors in our game, of course you're going to throw Sid in there, but I think you have to put Phil Kessel right up there in the top five puck distributors in the game right now. And, uh, yeah, the plays that he made on the, on the Hornquist goal was an absolute thing of beauty. And on the Broussard goal, to zip it there, to know he had to put a ton of steam on it just to get it in the front of the net to get it to Broussard. But it's not just last game. He's been doing it all year. And he's been doing it uh, since he's been a Penguin. And, you know, it's interesting. I remember a couple years ago, we were up in Toronto, and uh, I was doing the game with Mike Lang, and, and Mikey started to really compliment Phil for his puck distributing, for his passing. And that was the first time I actually opened my ears and, and said, wow, th- maybe this guy is a really good passer. And sure and sure, the more I watched him, the more I had an appreciation for how skilled of a passer he is. I, I think at times he can be a little bit too unselfish that you want him to pull the trigger all the time, but... You know, the way it's worked out over the course of the season and as many times as he set up his teammates, who are we to question when Phil passes and when he shoots? Borky, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink in just a little bit. All right. Sounds good, Double M. I enjoyed it like always. This was good hockey talk. That's Phil Bork brought to you by Coors Light. Stop by Mel's Pizzeria in Catanning and enjoy Coors Light drafts during all Penguins games for just two bucks. Wow. And also brought to you by Armstrong. One wire, infinite possibilities. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9. In Washington. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Here's a couple of Steeler news items. Uh, Jeremy Fowler reports that Le'Veon Bell has come down from his contract demand of a multi-year pact worth $15 million per year. He's now willing to take the low, low discount figure of $14.5 million per year, which is coming down in the strictest sense of the definition, but uh, it should be noted, from what I'm told, the Steelers want to pay him about $12 million per year and no more. It's also being reported the Steelers might now keep Mike Mitchell, even though he was horrific last year and is a dink besides. Uh, and Jeremy Fowler reports it's because, quote, he's a Mike Tomlin favorite. That actually is being reported, that Mike Mitchell may stay on the team because he's a Mike Tomlin favorite. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, what's your take on the announcement? Well, not an announcement, but the Steelers have told Le'Veon Bell he will be franchised tomorrow. I guess the shenanigans start. Mark, one time off for a 14.5. How do you not jump on that right now? I mean, wow, is he willing to deal? Um, Well, you know what the Steelers (laughs) should say to that is, you want 14.5 per year. If we franchise you, that's the same as you're getting under the tag. So, So why would we jump at that deal in perpetuity? Exactly. Exactly. It's 
Look, this is going to be drawn out for quite a while, and uh, I'm not so sure that what you talked about earlier in the show about him sitting out, you know, X amount of time. I mean, that's guaranteed he's going to miss a lot of camp. Um, but with it being where it is now, and both sides were talking they were going to get a deal done. Things are looking great. You know, the Roonies, Colbert, everybody wanted him, you know, signed up. He was the only one doing things that didn't look like that at all, you know, taking the Steelers out of his all his social media stuff. So... Uh, people are going to have to, I think, sit down and try and wait this one out. Um, but no way is he getting $15 million or, or 14.5 as your new figure. Uh, I said earlier, and you kind of touched on this just for a moment, that I wouldn't be shocked if Lev Bell sat out the season or part of the season. I think he feels like he's being cheated now. I think he's going to let this become personal and so he'll do something that would be ill-advised financially and really in every other way. But uh, I feel like he's just dumb enough to do it, quite honestly. Yeah, you know what? The personal stuff, I, I will buy into that angle. Like I said, he took all Steeler references out of his uh, all his social media accounts. And Mark, I really think he believes that there is a figure in there to be paid to him because he's a good receiver and a good running back. He mentioned that kind of cavalierly last year a couple of times. But that has to be why he's at the $15 million mark. I mean, he thinks that he should be paid for being one of the elite running backs in the in the uh, uh, league. And he thinks he's good enough as a wide receiver, which he is. But it doesn't. the salary doesn't work that way. Well, well Bob, Bob, he literally said, I'm the number one running back. I'm the number two receiver. I should be paid the combined salaries of both which is totally illogical. And someone's going to have to explain that to him or he's not going to get a you know he's not going to get a hat. I w- I would guess say. Bob that the people he's gathered around him don't use logic very much when they explain things to Le'Veon Bell. And uh, I keep coming back to him being paid he wants to be paid literally twice as much as the next highest paid running back and it's a passing league. I mean, I think the idea of a running back making 8 million dollars per season is a bit much. Doubling that is insanity. Again, in a passing league, the way the league is now. Yeah, absolutely, and the numbers bear that out. I mean, the Steelers have that on their side. Um, but again, he thinks that he's above. He thinks that that is a legit, realistic number. I think it's going to be a long time until they get to the uh, till they get to any middle ground. If they don't, and if he's having to sit at the you know with the tag at fourteen point five, I, I don't know if he signs that by July sixteenth. I this year, I, I just. I don't know how this is going to play out. Now, what about my notion that the Steelers could rescind the tag if he hasn't signed it by midsummer, which would totally screw him because all the big free agency money will have long since been spent. That doesn't do the Steelers any favors either because they would like to organize their team long before then. But if Bell won't sign the tag, how can they really organize their team? How can they really know he's going to be there come the start of the season? Yeah, that's a huge question for them. And, you know, obviously, Mark, uh, that would be best for the show, I will tell you that. Um, but I, I don't see the Steelers doing that just because they don't want that identity if they're trying to sign other players or going forward. You know, they've they've always kind of tried to put themselves above the rest of the league in both business and in the way they handle things down there. It doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does, and, you know, it's worked pretty well for them the last number of years, and all those Lombardis show that it works at some, you know, in most, uh, in most uh, situations. But for this one, 
Um, with the way that I, I just think Lev Bell is going to hunker down on this one, and he's not going to, you know, the 14.5, that may be the only break that they get in the negotiations. Oh, Bob, that's, that's almost like him yanking their chain. Uh, exactly. Okay, we're going we're to cut it by the minimum number, a half a million per year. You know, it, it is, it, it's almost condescending, isn't it? It goes back to the thing about you saying he's going to make this personal. I can absolutely see that happening especially with him putting out that 14.5 number that's that's nothing that's you know making a joke of the situation bob you know what you know what's going to be the punchline of the whole situation is i believe saquon barkley's going to come in the league and be better than levy on bell right away oh i think there's a lot of people expecting that right now especially after what he did at the combine this weekend um boy he is trending upward after the season he had that might be tough to do but for what he did over the weekend and the numbers he's putting up, and you know, even a lot of the Penn State people with the numbers they're putting up, I could see that happening right away. But you know what? My only question mark, are they going to make him the exclusive or the non-exclusive? Because there might be a team out there stupid enough to pay 14.5 and get a deal done and then have to give up two draft picks to the Steelers. And that would be win-win for the Steelers. Because then, no, Bob, Bob, that, that'll never happen. Never happen. You've seen dumb deals before, though. I mean, dumber not, deals not, than this before. Bob, I'm very serious when I say no team wants to pay Lev Bell 14.5. I don't think any team even wants to pay him 12 like the Steelers are willing to do. I just don't think running back's that important position. I keep reading people saying, and Lev Bell says, that running backs are underpaid and he's standing up for the position. Well, that's a crock because Lev Bell just wants his. He doesn't care if any other running back gets theirs. But running back just isn't that important in the league anymore. Look at the running backs who played in the last Super Bowl. It's just not that kind of league. Saquon Barkley could change that, yeah. but Le'Veon Bell has not been able to. The next thing that Lev Bell puts out on social media or his next response will tell you exactly how this is all going to play out, whether it's going to be business or whether it's going to be personal. And I, for one, can't wait. That's Bob <laughs> McLaughlin. He's brought you by 84 Lumber. Lamar Jackson's the quarterback for Louisville. Some NFL people have told him he should be a wide receiver. Some people think that's racism. I think it's doing Lamar Jackson a favor. We'll get into it in just 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.